This is my tribe. 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 tribe. What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. What's up? How are you guys doing tonight? You're doing good. Vincent, I'm so glad that you made it into 2020. I'm so glad that all of you are here tonight with us, the first tribe night of the year. You guys having fun so far? What's up, Zach? How you doing, Zach? How's 2020 going for you? Pretty good. Pretty solid. I would be sad if it weren't excited five, six days into 2020, five days. And I am so excited about 2020. How many of you guys made some New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand if you're a New Year's resolution type of person. None of you. This is amazing. No one wants to get better this year. Or maybe you're like me. And every year you make a New Year's resolution, but by day number seven, you're done with it. How many of you fall into that category? Like, yes. Right now at the gym, everyone's decided that they want to be healthy. So there's no parking spots at the hub. But give it a week and no one else will be there. Speaking of being healthy, I want to ask you a question. How many of you love to run. Like, you love running. When we talk about running, I'm pretty sure there's two different categories of people. There's the category of people that absolutely love running, and then there's the category of people that hate it so much they wouldn't even run if a scary clown was chasing them. You're out, Vincent, if a clown is chasing you. I don't like clowns. Here's my thoughts on running. When I was in high school, I was on the track and field team. I ran hurdles, and I loved it then. Now I'm getting a little older, and my knees are starting to hurt, so I don't love running as much as I used to. And just like you, some people hate running. Some people love running. And believe me, I get it. But did you know that over 60 million people in the United States would say that they love running? 60 million people would say that they love running. And so as I was digging into that statistic as we're talking about the chase, 60 million people loving running, that number seemed really high to me. But then I realized why they loved running. Running, unlike other sports, has very clear, defined rules to it. They say, go, you start running, and then it's over when you cross the finish line. I was eating at Buffalo Wild Wings with a student last week, 
Last week, I actually ate at Buffalo Wild Wings like five times, which is funny because their wings are good, but their service is horrible. We'll talk about that on another day. But we were sitting there, and this fascinating sport came on the TV. Anyone want to guess what the sport was? None of you are correct. <laughs> None of you are correct. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. The sport of curling came on the TV. You say curling? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know anything about curling. I don't know why they take this rock and slide it across ice wearing their gloves and then they brush it and I don't understand it. Yes, now you know what curling is. I know it's an Olympic sport. That doesn't mean I understand it. Curling is something that is very confusing to me. And then they're trying to hit the rocks out of the rings. And to me, running is so much more simple. You see, no matter how hard I watched that curling match on that TV in Buffalo Wild Wings, I didn't understand. What I do know is that day that America beat Spain. So there's always that. Yeah, yeah. We can clap for that. But if you were to ask me, how America beat Spain in curling, I couldn't tell you because I don't know how you score points in curling. But I do know that if you're running a 5K, if you're running a marathon, or if you're running to save the best seat in the house, the rules are the same. Whoever gets there first wins. And so the goal is always to beat the other person to the finish line when we're running. And see, that's to me why running is a great sport. Winning running is not complicated. And that's kind of nice because I think we all would say that not everything in life is as simple as the end goal of winning a race. How many of you guys would agree with that? That life is not very simple. If you're not raising your hand, let me throw these questions at you. What if I asked you what it would take you to do to be winning with your parents? What would it take you to do for you to be winning with your parents? And me even just saying that brings a lot of tension into the room because you see, with your parents, there's not a clear goal to win with your parents. You see, your step-parents and your parents and your half-parents and your parents twice removed, all that different stuff that makes up our family dynamics, they want you to do well in school. They want you to listen to them. They want you to make good grades. They want you to be a star athlete. They want you to read every book known to man. They want you to put down your phone when you're at the dinner table. They want you to go to church. They want you to pray. They want you to do all of these things. Me, growing up in my household, I very quickly learned that there's no clear finish line. Sometimes winning with your parents may feel like you never finish running. I don't know if you're like me, but growing up, my mom had one rule. Well, she had lots of rules. Um, my brother had more rules than I did because I was the nice kid. So how many of you guys are nice so you can get away with whatever you want to? We're taking a picture of the room right now. We'll post it on social media so that your parents know you raised your hand. <laughs> Vincent's looking at his mom like, Mama, raising my hand. Like, I was the nice kid. My brother was not very sneaky. So he always got caught when he was doing something bad. Now, I'm not telling you to go be sneaky, but what I learned was that I never felt like 
I could win when trying to please my parents because the rules kept changing. So now, let me ask you another question. What if I asked you what it looks like to be winning in the friends department? What do you have to do to get all of your relationships in 2020 in the right place? I think we all have different friends. Some, you have to like all of their social media posts when they post them, or they'll call you out on it. Anyone have any friends like, don't raise your hand if you're sitting next to the person. Yeah, Vincent. Vincent's that person. Um, He's not really that person. Um, Or maybe they want you to hang out with them all the time or instantly text them back. And just like with your parents, friendship, (laughs) and Luke raises his hand, friendships are very hard to find a clear, defined when or answer. So let's make one more question here. What if I asked you what it would look like to be winning in the faith department? Like, what does God want from you in 2020? What does it look like to win in the faith department? I mean, this is the ultimate question, right? This is why your parents want your parents to come week after week to church on Sunday morning or Sunday night at tribe night. This is why your parents want you in small groups. This is why your parents want you to read your Bible and to pray. What does it take to win in your faith? Maybe you think for you, the right thing to do is to stop doing the wrong thing. Maybe you need to text less and read your Bible app more. Maybe you think for you, you don't need to get as angry all the time as you normally do. Or maybe, just maybe for you, you need to stop looking at porn, smoking, drinking, and doing whatever is bad for you. Yes, I said porn in church. It's 2020. We're going there. Because the reality is, these things that you're doing in your life are stopping you from fully chasing after God and getting everything that he has in store for you. You see, when it comes to our relationship with God, it's easy to feel like winning is impossible. I've been there. I'm sure every leader in this room will tell you that they've been there. You wake up day after day You start 2020 saying you're going to read the Bible in a year, and we are on day five, and you haven't opened your Bible yet, but it's okay, because our God is a God of grace, and if we're chasing the right thing in the right way, he will show you grace and mercy and forgive you and let you have a restart. Everyone say, restart. Everyone say, restart. You see, when it comes to our relationship with God, like I said, it's easy to feel like winning is impossible, like we're running, but there's no finish line. And so maybe some of you, day five or 2020, have already reached the point where all of this stuff seems overwhelming. Five days into the year, and some of you are already feeling anxious. A lot of you go back to school tomorrow or this week. Some of you may have went back to school last week. And we're five days into the year, and you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed. You're trying to figure out how you're going to juggle your social activities, your schoolwork, and this thing we call a relationship with God. You come to church, and you hear about all the stuff God expects you to do, and you're exhausted just thinking about it. How are you going to fit in reading your Bible and praying while at the same time trying to play Fortnite and Call of Duty? and basketball practice. 
What? Am I calling out y'all? I'm not calling you out. I'm not calling you out. If you feel guilty, take it up with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you see, some of you relationship with have already given up. It's not that you stopped trying or that you've given up on your relationship with God, but you've already decided on day five of 2020 that all of this is too much for you. That you're just going to live 2020 just like you lived 2019. Day by day, you're not going to make any plans. You're not going to get any closer to God. And that's what I love about what we're doing as a church in this season. We're fasting for 21 days. And it doesn't sound extremely exciting to give up something that we love in order to spend more time with God. If you were in church this morning, Pastor Michael talked about what fasting is. So here's a high-level quick review. We're giving up something that we love to spend more time with God. So for me, I love Coke Zero. Ew, I know. I'm old. I get it, Vincent. I love Coke Zero. I love Coke Zero so much that sometimes, and Luke can tell you, I will drink two to three cans of Coke Zero a day. So for the next 21 days, and I'm telling you this so you can hold me accountable, I am not going to drink any Coke Zero for the next 21 days. Yeah, you can clap for that. Yeah. For some of you, it's not Coke Zero. For some of you, it might be your video game addiction. For some of you, you've been on Christmas break and you've done nothing but sit in front of your TV and play video games all break long. For some of you, it's your social media addiction. You do none of it. So we're going to give you a calendar, like Luke said. See, they're doing TikTok dances on the third row over here. I don't know what's happening in the world. So we're going to give you a calendar when you leave tonight. And each day of the calendar challenges you to give up something that you love in order to spend more time with God. Now, here's the key about fasting. I don't want you to miss this. When you give something up, that doesn't mean that you need to replace it with something else that's equally as addictive. So if I give up Coke Zero, that doesn't mean I need to start drinking Dr. Pepper because I want a Coke Zero. That means in those moments when I'm craving the Coke Zero, like Pastor Michael said this morning, I need to tell my body, no, I need to spend time with God. I need to pray. I need to read my Bible so that God can strengthen me. Just drink Coke. Coke is disgusting. Oh, we're not, no, 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 no. What we're not going to do is not better than throw to how Pepsi is better than Coke, because that is a lie. Pepsi is not better than Coke. If we're doing anything in 2020, we're telling the truth. And Pepsi is disgusting. Okay, okay, okay. So, to unpack this, this thought today, we're going to look in the book of Luke. The book of Luke. And in this particular passage, Luke is writing about a moment when Jesus visited two of his closest friends and disciples, Mary and Martha. Now, in this particular culture, when someone visited your house, it was a big deal. So you cleaned, you rolled out the red carpet, especially if Jesus was coming to your house. Think V. I 
P. Like, if I were to call you and tell you I was coming to your house, some of you wouldn't pick up your clothes on your floor, but if a famous person were to call you, or better yet, think about the holiday season that we just came out of. Maybe you had family come to your house and your mom was running around and yelling at you to tell you to clean up all kinds of things because grandma and grandpa were coming over. And that's the kind of thing that was happening when we jump into this passage. So let's read this together. Luke 10, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 40. And it says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So let's pause there. So this says that Martha does literally all the things as Jesus is there. She's cooking. She's cleaning. She's preparing the meal. She's preparing things and trying to make them perfect. And Mary just sits there, hanging out with Jesus. And finally, Martha gets fed up because in her mind, she's thinking Jesus deserves the best, the best. Jesus is a VIP. We need to roll out the red carpet for Jesus. Why am I doing all of this work? And there's my sister just sitting on the floor listening to this guy talk. And the verse goes on and says this. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. So, amen. How many of you got a sister that does nothing while you have to do everything in the house? I think that's where that amen came from. Or maybe you have a brother that doesn't do anything, and you're the one constantly having to clean. One rule, I just had flashbacks. Remember earlier I said my mom didn't have a lot of rules. One rule she had was this. Do not leave dirty dishes in the sink. If you were to eat something on a plate at 12 o'clock at night, you had to clean the plate at 12 o'clock at night. And sometimes I wouldn't do that and I would get in trouble. That's a whole nother story for another day. So basically in Luke 10, 40, she says, Jesus, don't you care that I'm doing all of this by myself? And Mary is sitting there doing nothing. Tell her to get up and start working. After all, we're trying to do all of this for you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, I like to imagine Jesus responding in one of two ways. One, with an eye roll, like that emoji. He's rolling his eyes like, here we go. Martha is being an annoying tattletale again. Or I imagine Jesus responding this way like a way that your parents would respond and saying, say, saying something like, hey, you're right. Mary, why don't you get up and help your little sister out? It's only fair that you share the work. But that's not what Jesus says at all. So let's look at Luke 10, 41 to 42. And it says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. This response is kind of surprising, right? Here it is, Martha's running around doing all this work, and Mary's just sitting there. And the Lord says, my dear, lighten up. 
Like, it's okay. He shows that he loves her, but at the same time, he's saying the exact opposite of what she's thinking. He says her sister is actually doing everything the right way. Basically, Jesus says this. Martha, Mary is actually chasing after the right thing. She's chasing a relationship with me. See, Mary understood that the power wasn't to work for Jesus. It was to be with Jesus. And there's some of you in the room that need to catch that concept. That we're not just called to do things for Jesus, but we're called to be in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. After all, that's the entire reason that God sent Jesus as a baby. And that's what we just celebrated at Christmas time to die ultimately at Easter for the sins of every person in this room. That we would be in a relationship with him. You see, the reality is, as church people, as God people, as even people remotely interested in faith, we get caught up in the exact same race that Martha was caught up in. We start believing that the performance that we're doing is ultimately going to change the way that God thinks about us the way that Jesus thinks about us. And what Jesus says is, slow down. It's okay to rest. It's okay to sit at my feet. It's okay to be with me. I don't know what your holiday traditions are in your house. One of our family's holiday traditions is on Thanksgiving and Christmas morning, my mom does a breakfast and our entire family comes over. Normally. This year, she came up to the great state of Illinois, and we ate at Applebee's, because that's what you do on Christmas. Yeah, you can clap for that. Christmas Eve, Applebee's, yeah. But normally, we eat a breakfast together, and all of the families, my grandma, my uncle, everyone comes together, and the house is frantic, except for a few who are sitting there building relationship and reconnecting and talking with each other. Because you know, life is short. And it's the moments that you are with people that you will remember. So God is calling us to be with Jesus and not just for Jesus. To put it another way, chasing Jesus means not chasing performance. Jesus is not saying that goals are bad and that we shouldn't fight temptation, and that we shouldn't try to become better people, and that we shouldn't work to do better things. What Jesus is saying is if we're doing all of that and we're not in relationship with him, we've missed it, completely missed it. So chasing Jesus means not chasing performance. You see, Jesus never bases his love on you, his love for you on how well you perform or fail to perform. The ultimate prize is simply a relationship with him. So he'll be there every single time to pick you back up. No matter how many times you lose your temper and get angry, all you have to do is say, hey, Jesus, I'm sorry, and I need you to help make me a better person. He will be there to pick you up. Because you see, all of this is about a relationship. He wants us to be with Jesus. His love for us is based on his decision to love us in spite of our performance. So no matter what you do, Jesus will always love you. 
He loved you so much, like I said earlier, that he died on the cross for everything that you've ever done, for everything that you did this morning, for everything that you're going to do in the future. But that doesn't give us a right to just go around and do whatever we want to do. What it means is that we strive for a relationship with Jesus. Just like, just because I married my wife, just because she said yes, just because I got down on one knee and we walked down an aisle and we kissed, doesn't mean that, did you say ill? You know that's how that works, right? Um, Just because I went through all those actions doesn't mean that I stopped pursuing my wife. I still pursue her. I still tell her she's beautiful. I still take her on dates without our crazy son that's almost two that likes to terrorize our house. He's not crazy. He's just a little wild. He's a little wild, but what two-year-olds aren't wild? But that means that despite all of that, I will pursue her. Just like despite what we do, Jesus will pursue us. And Ben, you guys can make your way back this way. This means we can stop worrying. It means we can stop feeling guilty all the time. I don't know about you, but I remember when I was your age, I would make decisions on Sunday, and then I would completely get depressed on Monday when I screwed up or did something wrong or sinned, and I felt like God would never love me or God could not forgive me. But when you're in a relationship with Jesus and you're not just doing it for Jesus, you realize that no matter what you do, he will forgive you. It means we don't have to be exhausted worrying about how God feels about us. We know exactly how it feels about us. It means that just like Mary, we can simply rest and spend time with him. So this week, I want to encourage you to change what you're chasing. Together, let's commit to stop chasing perfection. We don't have to be perfect for Jesus to love us. Jesus loves you so much. If I could sit down at a coffee shop or at Buffalo Wild Wings with every single person in this room and look you in your eyes and tell you that, because I wish I could do that because I know that ultimately, once that clicked for you, that it could potentially change the way that you view your life. Jesus loves you so much. You don't have to be perfect. We can also stop chasing religion. Now, there's nothing wrong with coming to church, but if you're putting coming to church over your relationship with Jesus, you're doing it wrong. What I mean by that is, yes, you should come to church. Yes, you should come to tribe night. Yes, you should get in a tribe group. But if you're doing it just so that people see you doing it, or if you're doing it just so you can check a box off your to-do list, or just to please your parents, you're doing it for the wrong reason. In 2020, we're going to decide that we're not chasing religion. We're chasing relationship with the creator that created everything. Everything that is around us, God created. So as you know, I recently moved here from Alabama. And roll tide. You're catching on. Hey, they won their bowl game. That's all we can ask for. But I recently moved here from Alabama, and a lot of times you or people that live here in southern Illinois would ask me, why would you move here? 
And one of the things that I discovered recently is that this area is so beautiful. Like just the hiking in the lakes and the scenery that happens around us is so beautiful. The Bible tells us that if we don't cry out to God, if we don't praise God, that he will make the rocks do it. And so the next time you're outside driving home or riding home in your car, instead of popping your headphones in and watching things on your phone or Snapchatting or TikToking, just take a moment to look out the window and admire the beautiful creation that surrounds us here in Southern Illinois. And the last thing that we're going to stop chasing in 2020 is sky-high expectations. Instead of chasing all of those things, I want you to simply chase Jesus with everything that you have. So if you will bow your heads and close your eyes. You see, Mary understood a fundamental truth. We don't have to get ready before Jesus will spend time with us. Jesus is willing to step down into our mess, and he proved that when he came as a baby. We don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to stop sinning. Now, Jesus does want us to eventually get better, but we don't have to be perfect before Jesus will meet with us. We don't have to be good enough to be good with him. You see, Jesus was good enough for all of us, and he welcomes us because he wants to be close to us. And nothing you do will ever change the reality of that statement. For someone in this room, you need to hear that. Nothing you have done in your past, nothing you will do in your future will ever change the way that Jesus thinks about you. Remember last semester, we talked about how despite ourselves, despite our sins, before we even said our first words, that Jesus chose us. So the question is, what are we going to do in response to that? You see, when it comes to chasing Jesus, it may be easier than you think because isn't running from you. He isn't running from you and telling you to catch up. He's running towards you. So I want to encourage you not to get distracted. Don't overcomplicate your relationship with him. When you stumble and fall, say you're sorry and ask him to pick you back up. and He'll be there waiting for you. You see, we never grow if we stay the same. But none of that is a, rela- a requirement to have a relationship with Jesus. And none of it will keep us away from him. When it comes to chasing him, perfect performance isn't required. And God, I just come to you right now and I thank you for everything that you're already doing in 2020. But before we get excited about the things that you have ahead of us, We want to pause and thank you for the things that you did for us last year. God, for some of us last year, we lost grandparents, our friends. Some of us lost jobs and starting 
places on sports teams. Some of us battled anxiety and depression. Some of us were friendless and just searching after what you had next for us. We're standing here today because of your grace and your mercy and your son, Jesus Christ. And God, as we look forward to what you have for us this year, we pray that you will continually remind us that we're chasing after time with your son, Jesus. That it's not bad to do, do, do things for Jesus, but ultimately you're calling us to be in relationship with him. God, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins, for the sins of every person that's in this room. That before I was even born, before I even took my first breath, you decided that I was worth sacrificing for. And God, as we get ready to go back in a time of worship, I pray that you just help us to sing these songs as a praise and a prayer to you. That you help us to worship you with reckless abandon. That we don't care what's happening around us, that we're not self-conscious of how loud we're singing or if we're raising our hands, that we will just worship you because we want to be with you. And lastly, God, I thank you for everything you're going to do through Tribe Night, through these students in their schools this semester. I thank you for the honor and privilege of just being a very small part of what you're doing here in Southern Illinois. And I pray that you hear all of these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, please.